Um, but I'm excited to preach the word in a debt-free building. Um, that is an exciting moment, so, and to read scripture in it. So uh, John chapter 16, you can turn there. I'm mostly going to focus on verse 21 and 22, uh, but I'll also read verse 16 as well as verse 33. So I'll give you a moment to go there. John chapter 16. I imagine the camera had a trouble following me there. Verse 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are, all you're doing. Come reside with us. We celebrate more than anything you this morning, your death, your resurrection. It beats all other celebrations. So come be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's great to be celebrating God's faithfulness, and we're just kind of taking a little bit of a break from uh, our Lent focus and Lent uh, season here and um, celebrating some things. And um, yeah, it's been a, a, a challenging year, 2021. And yet here we are, we've made it, we've come through, we've been able to uh, thrive through it. Uh, we're going to be celebrating at our AGM this afternoon uh, with our members. And, you know, you might say, well, Joseph, you know, how can, how can we be joyful and celebrate with, you know, all that's going on in the world? Right? You know, nations are at war. The, the world is unstable. We just came out of two years of a global pandemic where, where people suffered, and especially the poor, and the poor nations disproportionately have suffered physically and economically. Uh, you know, we might say my family relationships have just never been more strained. You know, how can I have joy in the midst of all this pain? And I personally don't necessarily have the answer to that question, but the Bible does. And the Bible's answer is that joy wins. And that's my title this morning, Joy Wins. The Bible is clear in this, that in and out of our grief, joy will come. Uh, you've heard maybe at times uh, the, the somewhat controversial uh, Christian maxim that love wins, Referring to when it all kind of shakes out in the end, God's love for humanity overcomes all. Well, it's equally true to say that joy wins in the Christian life. Our joy, to put it in a fancy theological term, is eschatological, meaning our joy is based on the future, not the present for we know that any sorrow experienced in this life, which will come, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, verse 33 here, 
Any sorrow will eventually lead to joy if we continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, who has overcome the world. Verse 33. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And Jesus says, so with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Our eternal joy with Jesus will be so great that we will forget the anguish of this world and all that pain and sorrow will be replaced with an eternal joy, one that no one or no thing can take away from us. But how can we say that? I mean, can we really have joy now on this side of heaven just because we know we will have joy later in heaven? Well, the biblical answer is yes. Even in the midst of our trouble, we are to take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. In the Bible, uh, Paul is probably the best example of this steadfast sort of eschatological joy in the face of trials and challenges. A few years back, we did a whole series on the book of Philippians uh, entitled Joy. Many of you were here for that, which was uh, Philippians was written by Paul, and he wrote it while he was in chains in prison. And you'd think given the circumstances that Philippians would, you know, maybe be a tough book to work through. It'd be, you know, a really depressing book about just holding on in the midst of despair, how hard life is, trying to, you know, keep fighting despite wanting to give up, how things don't always work out. But you know what Philippians is most known for? Joy. In fact, Philippians mentions joy far more than any other letter in the New Testament and is known as Paul's most joyful work. Yeah, thanks for that beep. Exactly. How paradoxical is that? A book written by someone in chains is known primarily for its joyous tone. Why or how did Paul have joy while confined to prison? Because he understood that his current pain would give birth to joy. That now was his time of grief, but he knew that that grief was producing something greater. And he knew he would, have, he would eventually see Jesus and rejoice. Therefore, no one could take away his joy. It wasn't based on present circumstance. Paul says in Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul is saying, don't worry, guys, it's all good. God is advancing the gospel even through my pain, the trouble, anguish, and grief of my circumstances. James, the brother of Jesus, similarly says in his book, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, 
Why? Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, I can have joy knowing that through trials, my hope in Christ and my eschatological joy might become even stronger because it will become less based on the circumstances of this world. And so we might even say that the most joyful people or those with the most unshakable joy are potentially those who have suffered the most. For their joy is not based on present circumstance. They have put their joy in something else if they've allowed themselves to. Look at, these two, uh, look at the words in these two verses. Right? Pain, anguish, grief. And the conclusion to these feelings and circumstances is what? Rejoice. No one will take away your joy. Not pain, not anguish, not grief. Doesn't mean those things aren't real. We don't dismiss them, but we can have joy in the midst of them. This is not a joy the world can understand. It doesn't come from a successful career, a nice house, a great vacation, or any other pleasurable circumstance. It comes from Christ and is experienced even or especially suffering. And joy is not naively denying our present circumstances or our suffering, but rather it is interpreting our present circumstances or suffering in light of the joy of knowing what is to come. And of course, we look no further than Jesus to learn that. Jesus says in verse 16, which sets up this whole discourse in verses 16 to 33 that I don't have time to go through all today, but he says, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And Jesus, of course, is referring to his death, the unimaginable pain and grief and anguish that awaits him. But he assures them that the suffering and anguish he will face is temporary when he says, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. How could Jesus speak about joy in the context of going to the cross? Because he knew the suffering was temporary and that what he was accomplishing was eternal, namely the forgiveness of sins through his shed blood, which gives you and me eternal and everlasting. Life. And that's why Hebrews chapter 2 says, For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? It was the giving and gift of eternal life to you and me. It gave Jesus great joy, believe it or not, to go to the cross, knowing he was offering you and me the gift of eternal life by doing so. And so how can we have joy, even in our anguish, even in our pain, even in our grief, by knowing that we will never perish in Christ, 
but instead have received through his work on the cross eternal and everlasting life in Jesus. And because what Jesus did and the eternal life he gives us through the forgiveness of sins can never be taken away, it can never be shaken, never be changed. Therefore, our joy can never be taken away from us and never be shaken. In other words, joy wins. As Christians, the only way our joy can be taken from us is if we place it in things that can be taken away, that can change. If we place it in circumstances that can change. But as long as our joy is based on these eternal truths that cannot change, that cannot be taken away, then our joy will always remain, for it is in something that is unshakable. So as the band uh, comes up, look, I know it's a struggle. It can feel like everything around us is trying to rob us of our joy. But we can't muster up joy, right? We can't try harder to be joyful. It's a supernatural work of the spirits. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 calls the Holy Spirit the deposit or the, the down payment or the guarantee of our joyful inheritance that is to come. It's a taste of the joy that we know is coming, and it helps us maintain our joy in light of that joy that is to come. So let's pray, and we're going to close with a, a song of, of joy. Today is a day of, of celebration, and we've kind of had to weave through our grief and our pain and our anguish maybe that we're facing in our life in the context of these scriptures here to get to that place. But what we want to do is place our joy this morning in that eternal hope. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you would produce joy in us, the fullness of joy, Joy that passes circumstances, the kind of joy the world cannot take away, that circumstances cannot change. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to release a greater measure of joy by the Spirit of God that lifts the burden of heaviness. Church, I want you to know this is your inheritance in the Spirit of God, heavenly joy. As Paul says, you are citizens of heaven, not of this world. And so your joy is not dependent on this world. So you might want to just say it right now under your breath or in your heart that saying, no matter what comes my way, I will rejoice in the work of Christ. I will rejoice in eternal truths. I will have in me a joy that cannot be shaken. Isaiah 61.3 talks about the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair.